You're listening to the Stick Blade Podcast. It's your place for all things Detroit Red Wings and all things Chicago Blackhawks news and updates, as well as from around the NHL. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Tim Stompanato. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to another edition of the Stick Blade Podcast. It is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings, all things Chicago Blackhawks, and just general news around the NHL. I'm your host for tonight, Jordan Linskite, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, David Bardhouse and Tim Stampanato. Uh Tonight's news, we got a little bit going around the NHL, in specifics, the 2014 playoff format that the league has officially announced as the plan moving forward, and also what that means for the draft lottery looking forward as well, because Detroit and Chicago could very well be a part of that. And also just a little bit of the talk in regards to Jack Eichel being upset with the situation in Buffalo. And when we're outside of the league, though, on the wings front, we're going to be talking about Steve Eiserman's end of season press conference. They have one every year, just his comments, just general demeanor about where the team's at. Also, the Wings looking to promote a captain this offseason so that they have one at the start of the regular season. Uh, Blashill also being confirmed back to be coming back to Detroit in the head coach position. There was sort of a question mark around that at the end of the season, whether he'd be back or not. And then just also, what are the offseason training plans for all the players in Detroit? Because they're not going to get that playoff rep that a lot of other teams in the league are going to get. So what are their plans for that? And then we move over to the Blackhawks side of the podcast. We're talking about the first round of the playoffs, which is a play-in round versus the Oilers. And then also the signing of Mate Halupa, basically the uh, the league-leading uh, under-20 forward from the Czech Republic, signing a two-year deal with the Hawks. So with all that being said, let's go. Let's just jump right into this, guys. So I started off the, uh, the Wings part of the podcast. Let's just start from there. So first being Steve Eiserman's end-of-season press conference. If either of you guys watched it, what were you guys' opinions on it? Um, I was not able to watch it, but the only thing I took away from it was that we're keeping Blashill, that we'll be naming a captain before the start of the season. As you and I have talked about at length this year, we were hoping that they would not be bringing back Blashill. Um, but yeah, we can talk more about that. But uh, yeah, that's what I took away from it. The major thing that I took away from it was that Eiserman definitely sounds like he's going to do whatever it takes to keep Manthon Bertuzzi here. And... I mean, it sounds like the term or the idea for Mantha is a long-term contract. It doesn't sound like a bridge deal is an option right now. So I guess that's sort of a good thing for us to look forward to. Mantha's going to be a long-term stay here. It's not going to be one of those. He's going to abide his time till RFA is up, and then he's going elsewhere. So I thought that was a great takeaway. Detroit needs a winger like that. Locked down to term, who's young, who can score goals. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think that was one of the big takeaways that I got from this was that Iserman has a plan of at least starting to try and set up what could be a core. You know, you've got Larkin there locked up and now if he can get Ma- if he can get uh, Mantha and you know Bertuzzi set up, now you've got some pieces. You're short up on defense for the next couple of years, at least with your, you know, ideally some of your top two or three. If he can start to build around that there's some promise in the next couple of years if they can start to draft and get some free agent acquisitions. That's That was one of the things that I thought was an exciting takeaway for you guys. The other thing that I thought was a really interesting takeaway for this press conference is the fact that you know Steve Eisman has specifically said that there are going to be spots up for grabs this year, and he's looking to let these kids get practice however they can, which... 
I mean, we talked about it last week. Moritz Seider is going to be going back to Germany to train with this club, which he already is. But just the fact that he's looking to continue letting these kids who the team has drafted, like Svechnikov, like Zadina, have these cracks at the NHL to prove their spots rather than just say, all right, we're going to go to free agency, get these cheap guys as holdovers, and just keep going. I think that was another key takeaway. Well, I mean, that's uh, that's what they did with Kane and Taze when they were coming up in the league. Uh, they let them run wild, basically. You know, Savard said, okay. There's, I mean, for them, it was there's nobody in the stands anyway. What do we care? You two get the get the reps that you need and uh, learn learn on the fly, and we'll adjust and go. You know, for some of these young guys and for putting that future core together, you're going to get more out of them by letting them play around and learn with you know little to no pressure you know the, the stakes are pretty low at this point let them run wild for a little bit you know hopefully they find out who they are and they get some good development in touched on a couple things in the press conference uh, one of the, the ones that i think a lot of not even just reporters but fans have been wondering is what is the captain situation going to finally look like next season and i mean steve eisman specifically said they're looking to promote a captain by the start of the next season which at this point can be, gosh, into the winter at this point, just because that's really what we don't know at this point is when the next season's going to start. But, I mean, if you guys were going to pick a captain for Detroit, who do you think it would be? I mean, my I mean, pick is obviously Larkin. He's young. He reminds me of Steve Eisman in the sense that he didn't walk into an ideal situation, but he's the greatest player on this team, and he works hard every day. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. It's gonna, it's going to be Larkin. We can't hypothesize it's gonna be anyone else. Like Larkin is, you know, I'm not gonna say he's the second coming of Iserman, but he is the next Iserman-like player for us. He even All had right. an interview. He just said, like, I'm hungry. Like, I want to do well. All right, I love that, and I definitely agree with that. But just for the sake of uh, being contrarian, I'm gonna throw out, uh, I'm gonna throw out Ab- Abdulkader. God. Fucking damn it. I know. No, listen, you knew it was coming. Uh, But, I mean, just from the argument's sake of it, he's got the experiences, that veteran presence in the room. Uh, There's going to be calls from people that say, hey, this is the voice that we need. Let Larkin keep growing. He's got got an A right. He's an assistant. He's an alternate right now, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's going to be arguments for let him grow and do his thing. Let Abdelkader, who's, you know the veteran presence, the character guy in the room, let him bring those intangibles and be uh, be the captain. I'm with you. I believe it's going to be Larkin, but just wanted to throw that out there. I've seen a couple people talk online about it. I actually wouldn't mind Luke Glendening. I think he might actually be a decent choice. I mean, no, he's not playing your top line by any means, but he's one of those players who he worked his way to the league. He wasn't gifted, you know, drafts, draft chance. And I think that's huge for him. And I mean, even last season, he was always coming out for like pressers saying, you know, we wish we had something different to tell you. And if we knew how to fix this problem, we would. Like, he reminds me of another guy who, if they really don't think Dylan is ready yet, he could be another veteran guy to take that mantle. Yeah, I love Luke Gundunning. I wouldn't be mad if it was him. One of the other topics that Steve Eiserman talked about in his uh, end-of-season press conference is the fact that Jeff Blaschel is coming back to Detroit next season as the head coach. David, you and I have been, I think, very vocal about how we feel about Blaschel at this point. Um, I, like, like we said, we love 
Jeff Blashill for what he is. He's he's a player developer. He did amazing things with the Griffins, but he's not an NHL caliber coach in my opinion. And I understand he's been handed a team that's just been severely depleted, but we could be doing slightly better than how we have been with the talent that we have. See, this is fascinating because we're going through a similar feeling with Colleton. Wonderful player development, great with the young players, did an awesome job in Rockford where he's been. Is he an NHL coach? That's what I, I wanted to ask you guys because I haven't, you know, I don't haven't seen as much of the Red Wings. With Blanchill, is it just the fact that the team was underperforming or was there was there growth and positives with Blanchill or was he just dealt a bad hand or what what do you think on that? It's a column A, column B. Um, there is positives. Like the players love him. They work for him. Our young guys play very well. But he, I don't think, can push them to where they need to be to be an NHL, an, a Stanley Cup challenging team. See, my problem with Blashill is this. I don't dislike his player development. I actually think his player development has been pretty good. And I like that the players actually respect him enough to listen to him. My problem with Jeff Blaschel is this. He implements A. A doesn't work, and then he says, okay, A didn't work. I'm going to try implementing B. And then when you go watch the next game and you're looking for B, you see A again. And you just saw A didn't work, but it's these same processes run over and over. Like, I mean, the line juggling, for example... Players don't get chemistry when they're not on the same lines together more than two or three games. It just doesn't happen. I guess, yes, you have to type match in the NHL because the game is so competitive and there's so much parity in the league, at least generally speaking, between the non-superstar talent players. But at some point, you have to actually let players stick together to see if there's actual chemistry or not there. Yeah, you can teach schemes, you can teach plays, but at the end of the day, like anything, people who work together long enough get into natural grooves, and Jeff Blaschel has not, at least for the most part, let our players do that, and that's what I don't like about him. Mm -hmm. He changes things up too much. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Do you think that, you know, say you got like Gallant or someone like that, do you think that he'd be able to bring out more on the team right now? Right now? No. No but I feel like you would see him build. Cause that's my, cause that's my question is if it's, you know, if he's coming back for just another, you know, for another year or two, would it be a better thing to have that player development in there? Especially if you're getting, you're getting a top four pick, you know, one way or the other. Uh, is this the kind of person you want in while some of these guys grow and come into their own? And then maybe you get a new coach. Cause if, you know, if you go out and get one, like, you know, drug Allen or whoever is that person enough right now to bring you over the top or does the consistency is the consistency worth it (sighs) for the wings it's really this blashell is a great development coach but at this point i think the players need the uh, the stability of having the same line mates together i think that's really why this team has underperformed at least this season the way it did you look at the roster, yes, the defensive group is not good, but the forward group is not anywhere near as bad as it should, or is not anywhere near as bad as the standings put us. And mm-hmm. I think that is really just a consistency with teammates and a consistency in terms of where players are at in this lineup and where they're being deployed. The last piece of news, unless you guys have anything else to talk about with Blashill, which 
Do you guys have anything else before we move on to the last bit of news? Nope. I just feel like we're going to miss out on a top tier coach by holding on to someone that's not pushing us forward. That's yeah. my opinion. Uh, that's eye opening. That was good to learn about uh, him. Yeah. No, I'm good. The last bit of Wings news that I want to talk about is off season plans for training for this team. I want to talk about this for two reasons. One, the Wings are at this weird spot where they're one of the teams that are outside of this 2014 playoff format. Their players aren't going to get the NHL reps against NHL caliber teammates or competition. What do you guys think that that actually looks like for Detroit in terms of like a regiment for practice, for training? Because for me, I mean, I'd have to imagine Detroit's basically telling all of its young players, you're not going to get reps on the ice, you know, and traditional conditions you need to work on strength then or you need to work on speed somehow i mean what do you think the wing should prioritize this off season with its younger players just strength and conditioning you know they have to build up endurance you know to actually give a team 60 minutes of hell you need to be able to outwork them so strength and conditioning i think is top priority if they're not able to get on the ice yeah a lot of the from, just from the eye test and watching games the speed is there for a lot of the young guys, you're right. It's a matter of strength and conditioning and making sure that come you know next year or whenever we have a full season again, that they're not gassed halfway through the year. That's my big fear for any of the teams outside the playoffs right now. There's a chance that they're not going to get real hockey reps again until January. And that's, that's terrifying for, for me to think of those guys having to go through that. Because uh, at least during the lockout years, they've at least been able to be on the ice and play with other teams and things like that. It's got to be strength and conditioning, I guess. It's kind of hard to simulate practice drills. I mean, yeah, you can do half, I guess, sort of half-ended drills with, you know, like a ball or like a puck on like a wood surface. But that still doesn't quite simulate the feel of ice or being on skates and really making those quick decisions. Because, I mean... in in general, hockey basically boils down to this. It's making those split-second decisions very quickly, efficiently. And in order to do that, you have to be in that situation. Oh, yeah, yeah 100%. Experience is the only real value. Like That's why I sort of reject sometimes when it's like, oh, if we get this player up here a little too early, it's like, man, even if they're playing third, line, you know, third or fourth line minutes or bottom pairing minutes, they're getting reps against real NHLers. That experience is worth everything. Does anybody else have anything else that they want to touch on for the wings before we move over to the Blackhawks side of the podcast? I don't. I'm good. Okay. Uh, we'll move on to the Blackhawks side of the podcast this week. And admittedly, this side is a little bit lighter, but that's also because just in general, there's less going on with the club right now compared to Detroit situation. Uh, the first being this, uh, Chicago signed Mate Halupa from the Czech Republic uh, under 20 league. Uh, basically, he was the league's leading scorer for the, uh, the team. He was he plays forward, so which is playing somewhat towards Chicago's already pretty good strength. And he got inked to a two-year deal on a very, very manageable cap. He wasn't signed to any big deals or any big contract values. Um, Tim, since you're the Hawks, uh, rep on this episode tonight, what is your opinion on this signing? You know, I'm excited. I'm excited. Right now, he looks like he's a depth guy. Uh, just for the time being, he's 21. Uh, two-year, two-way deal. 
Uh, it sounds like he's going to spend some time in Rockford. Last season, he had 17 assists uh, and 24 points total, fourth on the team in scoring as the second youngest regular on the team. Uh, that's really exciting. Uh, we've had a lot of good luck with our European picks in the past, like our European free agents in the past. I'm hoping my my dream and my goal for this guy is that he comes into Rockford and he feels good. He gets you know plays North American ice, and if we're progressing, you know either either one of two things happens: either we dive down again and the season isn't going well, and we bring him up for exposure and reps and we just get him some time and then for the most part let him you know build and grow in rockford or if we start to pull it together next year and we get we get on a run hopefully he's the kind of complimentary piece that we can bring up and slot him on a third line and say hey we just need you to generate some opportunities we need you to not be a liability but if they if this can be a complimentary piece on an entry level contract, that's a win. It's it's a low risk, high reward situation for us. It almost sort of reminds me of the Taro Hirose signing that Detroit had a couple of years ago. It's it's a player who was coming off of some pretty good seasons and again was not commanding high salary cap dollars, was not requiring ridiculous term. Just a guy that you can throw in a league like the AHL, and if he pans out, awesome. You've got a decent complimentary piece to your core. And if not, you're out the cap dollars, and that's literally it. That's exactly it. You know, at worst, mm-hmm. you know, worst case scenario is he's an AHLer, and we just got some depth for Rockford for two years. That, that, that is the worst case scenario, and in my mind, that's a fantastic situation to be in. Now, I'm curious, like, assuming like assuming that he actually pans out and makes his way to the NHL, I mean, let's say he makes it at the end of his two-year deal, because assuming, like most players who come from overseas, there's going to be some sort of transition period. Almost all of the players who come from overseas do for the most part, just because of the speed of the game over here and the intensity that it's played with at least stateside and up in Canada. I mean, and it's not a knock on any of the European leagues. It's just generally fact that the United States and Canada's leagues tend to be a lot more difficult because these players are playing, generally speaking, for more money, and they're playing for spots that are basically trying to pull from a bigger competition pool. I mean, let's say he does make it in two years, and he's essentially playing on your bottom six, let's say. Do you think that at that point, looking at Chicago's contract situation, that you would want to keep him around for another two or three years? Or do you think you'd want to move him for some D prospects or potentially even maybe like a D roster player from somewhere else? We're if we're playing the game of where's he at, where are we at in two years? I I would rather keep him personally. I and maybe this is naive. Maybe I'm in the minority here, but. I'm actually excited about where the Hawks are at and where they're going with D. I mean, we've got, you know, Keith isn't going anywhere, and Keith is still a monster in his own right. Uh, But you've got Murphy has been great for us. He's been consistent. He's been stable. Uh, If Dahan can stay healthy, that's huge. Mitchell Mitchell and Boquist are young. They're going to be coming up. Uh, Even Bodan is growing down there. We've got... 
we've got a lot of decent decent and potentially great D prospects and current players right now. I'm less worried about defense than I am our forward pool because we just don't, we've only been focusing on defense. And in two years time, we've, I mean, right now, we've got a lot of what ifs. We have no idea if Shaw is going to play again. We just have no idea with the way those concussions have worked, whether he's done for good or not or maybe he's on long-term IR for another year we have no idea there and we've got I would rather trade out bottom six forward pieces with people that are younger and potentially have more of a scoring threat than I am with moving some of our high profile or even mid profile but stable uh, D-men right now David, let's say you're in the Hawks position in the case that I just described. I mean, what do you think is the best move for them looking forward? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's tough to say. I'm not 100% sure. So no answer. What? So no answer. I plead the fifth. Oh my goodness. This is where you're supposed to make some sort of hot take. (laughs) Uh, Can we just just trade them um, Applicator? Listen, we'll I love Captain Cater. We'll pay half his contract. Like we can retain half of it and we'll trade it to him. You guys can get like a bottom. They can get like a bottom six winger, realistically a fourth line winger, who has hashtag grit, hashtag intangibles, whatever the buzzwords <laughs> are in Detroit at that time. Well, you know, you know, Coach Q always used to say you can never have enough character guys, and uh, you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but boy, that's that's applicator to a T. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! What we'll do is we'll just show you um, games one and two of the Stanley Cup Final in two thousand nine, and just say, "See, this is the player you're getting. Look at him; he scores two goals both games." Look well, that's how we got that contract, right? Was that? Oh my goodness! <laughs> I feel like you got the contract way after that. Yeah. No, I don't. Uh... Right. I'm gonna move us on. Um, the, the, one of the more, uh, I guess, important pieces to talk about for the Hawks news this week. And this one is probably the big one. The Hawks, per the uh, NHL's 2014 playoff format, are set to play the Edmonton Oilers in the first round of this play-in type style. Um, Tim, what do you expect for this round if you were just looking at the teams right now? I'm hyped. We're doing it. I'll, I'm saying it right now. We're, we're, we're going for them. And I think we're going to win this series. I, I truly believe that, um, you know, I know the regular season was the regular season and that was ancient. That was eons ago, it feels like, but we were able to shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl. But now they have Anthony see you. All it's, it's a five. It's, it's a best of five. I think we're, I think we're got whatever, you know, whether it's five, uh, three, two, I think we're going <clears> to. <throat> I think we're gonna win it in three two. I, I because Kane I, I take I take Crawford over Oilers uh goaltending combination any day of the week. I'll take take putting the team on his back of legitimately stable and solid defense people and we can shut down the top six because the bottom six are not they're not they're not a threat. I I don't believe that. I think they've got great players. They've got a, one of the best teams I've seen of them in years. 
But I think if we can shut down those top two lines and Crawford's on, and we're, we're I, th- I think we're doing it. Who do you think is winning this first round? Do you think Chicago can take it, or do you think it'll get worked over? <laughs> I think Chicago could take it, but I think I think it's going to be flipped. I think Edmonton wins it three two in a close series. I mean, Edmonton have McDavid and Drysdale, which you said you've contained them, but anything can happen in hockey. And they acquired Andreas Antonisiu, who you know has been having a rough bit of a year, but. When he's on, he's on. And putting him with a guy like McDavid, I think, could really bring out the best in him. Also, hot take, mm. Mike Green. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, hey, he could re- but, he could find that offensive touch again. And the only reason why I would say Edmonton wins is just also because it would give the Red Wings a better chance of getting a better draft pick. I appreciate that. I appreciate and acknowledge that. I feel like this is going to be one of the most interesting series of the entire playoffs, and it's going to be interesting for a couple of reasons. One, McDavid and Drysaddle are they're inked to long-term deals, and they're inked to a lot of money. They've said time and time again that they want to be in the playoffs. Well, congratulations, you finally have your wish. You have what you want. Now prove that you actually want to be here. Prove that you want to win. I mean, this is realistically... McDavid and Drysaddle's chance to prove that they are, you know, the next, the next great dynamic duo in the NHL. That they are the new "quote unquote" Taves and Kane, or the new Crosby Malkin. Like this is their chance to really prove it this year, and I feel like it's going to be a telling sign of whether they step up and really take that chance. And if they don't, I think Chicago's going to run right over them. I mean, Chicago's got the playoff experience. They have just a deeper roster, overall speaking. And like you said, Tim, they have better goaltending. I mean, you can't really look at Chicago's roster compared to Edmonton's overall and say Edmonton has the better roster. I just, I think Chicago is a better well-rounded roster, but Edmonton right now has higher end potential talent. Yep. I, I believe that 100%. If we can't lock down McDavid and Drysaddle, we're done. They're going to be able to take this over. But when it comes to overall well-roundedness, I, I agree with you 100%. I think we've got the deeper team. Overall, I think the Hawks will win this one, as unfortunate as it is for the team <laughs> or for the fans in Edmonton. I know they've been wanting playoff success for... Gosh, uh, how long has it been since they've made it to a uh, even just like a semifinal? It's been over 10 years, hasn't it? I truly can't think of the last time they made it past the the preliminary rounds. E- either way, it's been a ridiculous amount of time. So I legit feel bad for the fans in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. But I just I think that Chicago is too deep for Edmonton overall. I mean, you're talking about Chicago already has the superstar players plus better depth. Yeah, you've. You've got a bunch of young kids now that, you know, they're listening to the stories of these cup runs, and this is their chance. You've got Murphy, who's never been in a playoff series. You know, they're ready for this. They, they've they been hearing about it, and they want it now. We can It'll move. be a fun series to watch. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. We can move on from the Hawks, if you guys are right, and we can sort of just jump into this actual 2014 playoff format and really break it down, because I feel like it's something we should kind of talk about on the show. Um, so for anybody who hasn't really been paying attention to the NHL the past week or so, originally the rumor floated around that there was going to be a 2014 playoff format, 
and then talks happened with the NHLPA about it, and then it's officially been announced that that is the plan going forward. So basically, this is how the playoffs are going to work. You're going to have your original 16 teams who are all slated to make the playoffs. Those teams are all already set in place to go. Then you have teams who were not in but are going to get the chance to play in teams like Chicago, teams like Montreal, who are now in the playoff race, potentially. But those teams that are in the playoff rounds aren't disqualified from winning the draft lottery. So let's say your team is in a play or play in round. They lose the play in round. They can still win the draft lottery or be in the running at least. So you've got all of these teams from around the league, which is the 24 teams who are officially quote unquote in the playoffs as of this moment. Then you've got the seven other teams that are outside I'm going to go on a bit of a ramble here about this format because I both love it and I hate it. Guys, what are your initial takes on this format? You go first. Tom. All right. I, everyone's going to have something to complain about with it, and I get that it's not perfect, but I definitely think out of the situation that we're in, I think it's the, the fairest overall setup to make sure that any team who could have really argued that they could have gotten into the playoffs has a fighting chance now with those play-in rounds. And you still got, it's not like they're just gifted in, like they've still got to get through an incredibly difficult five, you know, best of five play-in round. Uh, But you're also not punishing those teams that, hey, our team wasn't good enough to get into the playoffs and now you're telling me we're we're stuck in this play on round. We're not going to get a draft, you know, the draft lottery. This allows them in that first playoff, that play in round, to really separate who's making it into the actual playoffs and who is outside of it and in the lottery. I there's complaints, but I think that this is the one where nobody's happy, but nobody's too upset. I agree. I think my one big thing is that teams that are in playoff contention in these playing rounds i feel like shouldn't have a chance at the first round pick because they could get the first round pick in the draft and maybe get the stanley cup so i like this format and i don't like this format i like the fact that like you said tim these teams who might have squeaked into the playoffs are going to get to prove whether they actually belong or not and i understand given the situation that you're not going to appease everybody not everybody's going to be happy or everyone's going to like the situation. I get that. I completely get that. But my problem with it is this. I don't like that these teams who are able to play for the cup may also very well win the draft lottery at the end of the year. I mm-hmm. think that if these teams are going to get to play for the cup, that there should be some sort of cap on how far up in the draft they can move. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, what is the draft designed to do? It's designed to give talent to teams that are not performing well. And if a team gets to play potentially for the Cup, in theory, they're not in a position where they don't need the talent as bad as a team like, say, Detroit or like Buffalo or one of the other bottom feeder teams like Ottawa. I think that the idea of allowing these teams to play in makes sense in terms of, you know, there were still plenty of games on the schedule that could have changed the standings. 
And to take that away from a team is unfair, but I also think that it's unfair in a way to punish, I mean, maybe not punish, but to put those teams in a situation where they can still win the lottery as well when you're not providing that opportunity to other teams. Mm-hmm. I Maybe I'm not clear. on. I thought the way that I was looking at it, is it not the people that don't make that lose the play in round they have an opportunity to get the first overall pick whereas the people who win the play in round and move on and actually play in the playoffs they're they're out of it that was what i took away from it maybe i misunderstood it i'll use the uh, the edmonton chicago example like so let's say edmonton loses that for like that play in round right yep if edmonton loses that play in round they still can very well get the first overall pick and win the draft lottery, even oh. though they got a chance to play in for the playoffs. But the way that I would counter that would be that the, this play-in round is essentially simulating the end of the regular season. And I and I know that it's not counting in the regular season towards like the Hart Trophy and any of that stuff, but it is something that is considered outside of the play not quite in the playoffs and not quite in the regular season uh and even if they their their odds are still very very low i mean granted the odds have worse things have stranger things have happened but it would be more this play around is deciding who of these teams is actually making it in is that at least that's how i looked at it yeah i mean like, I get it from that point of view that, in theory, these games are basically like a super simulation of the rest of the season. I don't know, for me at least, it just kind of seems weird that you can, in theory, compete for the Cup, but also win the draft lottery, if that makes sense. No, it definitely does. I, I absolutely hear you, and I I know I would feel different about it if I was where you are and not where we are. Like, I, I definitely acknowledge that. Like, how ridiculous would it be for Edmonton to get, you know, McDavid, Drysdale, and then Lafreniere? I mean, to be fair, if they had missed the playoffs back when this was a normal season, that was still a possibility. Yeah. You know, I did the math on it. If, like, let's say every team is allowed to have the first overall pick every 31 years because of the fact that, you know, there's 31 teams... In theory, Edmonton's not do a first overall pick until the 2100s. They've had so many. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's well, who's it? They had Taylor Hall. They had Ryan Nugent Hopkins. They had Connor McDavid. That's three right there. So that's 93 years. I just or could you like imagine if like Pittsburgh loses and they get Lafreniere to play with Crosby and Malkin? Okay. Like th- that's crazy to me. I mean, overall, though, I get why they have the system that way. I don't know. For me, it just seems kind of weird, though, that they're going to have that set up quite that way. I almost feel like there should be a cap on the number of spots that you can move forward. I I almost think that they should have locked the top three picks in the lottery to be the ones that were outside of the play-in. I I think I could concede that. That makes sense to me. Uh, You know, if other teams that are in the play-in... It, they might have complained about that though so it's hard to say overall though like do you guys like the 24 team play in format like or do you think that they still should have stuck to the 16 team and just cut it off 
I think it's fine. I mean, we're going through a really tough time as a country, and it's going to make it more exciting for fans that teams probably weren't going to make the playoffs. So why not in this situation that we're in right now? Yeah, I'm always down for more hockey. Uh, I don't care who's playing. I'm excited for more hockey. Uh, And I get the league has lost a lot of revenue, and maybe it's a pure coincidence that Chicago, Montreal, and New York are getting into it with the 24 team maybe it's a coincidence maybe it's not uh that's irrelevant because we need hockey right now we need sports we need that distraction and so anything that's going to give me that i'm thrilled with it at this point one thing that i hadn't really thought about when they announced this 2014 play or playoff format all the teams that are out of the playoffs right now their teams are going to be off of the ice for well, assuming this doesn't really restart the regular season until January, those teams will have been off the ice for almost 10 months. That's craziness. It's so bad. It, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, literally, David, me and you will have been without Red Wings hockey for almost a year. It's crazy. <laughs> like, I mean, financial side, I mean, do you guys think that ticket prices are going to go up when this all clears or... Do you think people are still going to be hesitant to go to games? Um, I could see it going either way. Honestly, I can see people being hesitant to get back into the stands, but I also see a lot of people that you're already seeing it. People are becoming pretty numb to the fear of COVID. And I'm wondering if we're going to see, especially when people are given the all clear to be able to go to a game again, are we going to be so starved for it that people are going to be flocking to it? I mean, because at this point, the league has lost some revenue this season. There's no doubt about it. And I think fans are going to be so hungry for just that in-person game experience. I almost could see the league. I mean, I guess it's not really up to the league, I don't think. But I could see owners absolutely saying, you know, we need to remake some of the revenue that we lost. So either they're going to raise ticket prices or raise concession prices or just something. Because, I mean, there has been a lot of money lost right now with the NHL not being able to play those last games. Plus, I mean, you've got the actual TV, uh, like, cable deals that you have to worry about advertising at the game, ticket uh, profits at the game, concession profits in the game, merchandising. All that stuff has been lost right now. So I imagine at some point the league's going to try to make that up somewhere. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's just a matter of where can they justify you know they don't want to box out people by raising the prices too much especially after a pandemic one would argue that that could be worse pr in the long run than it is to make up a quick you know some quick revenue addition uh i almost think that it'd be better to keep prices flat and encourage people to come back so basically stuff like uh, like giveaway nights that encourages people to show up to the game and buy the concessions or buy the merchandise, stuff like that. 100 per- that That's what I think. I, don't know, I, just, I hadn't really thought about it. I just kind of wanted to get your guys' take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last piece of news, which is going around for the league, at least that I can think of that is pretty big news. Uh, Jack Eichel, a lot of talks about him being extremely frustrated with the situation in Buffalo right now. And... There are people saying, you know, Jack Eichel inked this eight-year deal. He wants to stick around. Insert whatever reasoning here. 
But the fact is that he's gone on quote now saying that he's not happy with the way that things are going in Buffalo. Do you guys think that he requests a trade? Because he's a pretty big name to be trading away. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm I'm a big Eichel fan. I I want to watch Eichel. I want to watch him thrive and grow. I think he's got he's got one of the strangest skating strides that I've ever watched, and yet he he doesn't look smooth, and yet he's fast and he's good, and I I want to see him on a team that doesn't squander him and can build around him. Uh, and I think this is going to be one of the most fun will he won't, you know, Eichel watch that we're going to have for the next couple years. The thing is, as much as I love him, I don't think he'd come here because he is, his issue right now is he's fed up with losing and his fifth straight season. They haven't made the playoffs. We haven't made the playoffs unless we can really just wow him and give him everything he wants. I don't think he'd come to Detroit. I'd love for him to come to Detroit, but probably not going to happen. My thing is this, though. I mean, there aren't really a ton of teams in the league that can afford his cap hit at the drop of a hat if he requests a trade somewhere. So you've got to find some, or he has to find, or his agent, whoever's going to make this trade work, has got to find a team that can carry his cap that he wants to go to and can actually make a price work with Buffalo that both teams are happy about. So I think it's kind of a weird situation because, I mean, it's not exactly easy to move a high-dollar eight-year deal. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's it's even harder to move that deal and then find a team that's not at the bottom, like at a rebuild where they can afford them. Somebody, you know, I was thinking about maybe Carolina that could use a, a true 1C and then they move, you know, Aho down or whoever is their number 1C right now. Maybe they switch some stuff around. That's a team that could maybe afford him and benefit from that. Uh, but it does severely limit his options. And the other question is, what does he cost in terms of trading? What do you have to give up to oh, get him? Oh, man, everything. <laughs> That's the thing, right? I mean, like, we're even going to see it this year with the Ottawa Senators and the San Jose Sharks. I mean, a team's going to want probably two or three first-round picks for him. I mean, he's a, he's a top-line center. Those don't come around very often in this league. So the team that is going to want to pick him up is going to have to give up pretty sizable assets. And what happens if something pans out like this year with San Jose where... They gave him first to get Eric Carlson, and now, oops, they're at the bottom, and now the Ottawa Senators have your pick. Yeah, no, exactly. Mm -hmm. I I think he's going to cost too much for a team to justify trading him for. And that's the thing, right? I I think it would be different for Eichel if he looked at the Sabres organization and he saw that they were rebuilding, but they were almost done with the rebuild. Like... How long has it been now since the Sabres have really been a competitive? It's not like they're five years into a rebuild. They were already mid-rebuild when they picked him up. The like the Buffalo Sabres rebuild should have already been over by now. They, they just keep... Every time I think they're taking a step forward, they, they fall backward. You know, guys like Ristolainen and... You know, Ristolainen has been... You know, I think he's disappointed, you know, just in his... Uh, Oh, some of the some of the sound bites from those exit interviews were were rough. 
and his was pretty rough too he's like yeah i'm disappointed you know nobody nobody's having a good time over there you know you listen to when ryan o'reilly got traded or pretty much demanded a trade and he got you know got to the blues and he's like i wasn't i didn't love the game anymore i wasn't having fun there's something seriously wrong in buffalo it's weird because Jack Eichel should have been that sort of player that you can build around. You've got him and you've got Rasmus Dahlin and they've had great players at Buffalo. Just for whatever reason, management can't seem to put it together. Well, they they got Skinner for nine mil. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I complain about Abdelkader all the time, but oh, that yeah. one. Yeah. Uh... I don't know, just rough situation and a weird situation for Buffalo at this point. I mean, your like your big name is really upset with where the team's at, and no one can blame him. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's not like you know they had one bad season and he's getting upset. This is five now. This is five straight seasons where they've been out of the mix, and it doesn't look like they'll be there next season either. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was in Jack Eichel's shoes, I wouldn't want to be wasting the prime of my career in a team that doesn't look like it knows where it's going. Yeah. I feel bad for uh, Darlene, too. Definitely. The guy that was supposed to be the next great defender, the next Nick Lidstrom, is going to be stuck on a team that may not go anywhere. I think with two people that are supposed to be generational players, well, fantastic. That's all. But hockey has continuously shown that two people aren't enough. Mm-hmm. You know, Crosby and Malkin, Kane and Case, they're uh, Kane and Case, they're not enough to win. You have to have the depth and whatever their development is in Buffalo, maybe it's the fact that they don't have a clear organizational vision. Maybe they don't have a clear team identity. Whatever it is, they just keep missing the boat. Mhm. That's the thing, right? Like it's not even that the team doesn't have good assets. They've had great assets. They just, they all want to leave. I don't know. It, like, maybe it's a culture thing in Buffalo. Maybe the players don't like the way management runs. And it's strictly a PR thing where the players can't say how they really feel. I don't know. But there's got to be something wrong with the way that things are happening in Buffalo. Because at this point, and the assets that they've had, they should be in the playoff mix. They should be a cup contender at this point. They've had plenty of great players come and go through their organization. Um, before we wrap up the show, is there anything else that you guys want to talk about before we close this episode out? I, uh, I'm i just excited that Dahan is officially skating again in Ottawa. They had some reports of him skating there. Uh, good news should be that he'll be eligible and healthy when the play-in round starts. And I think that's going to be... You know, if we can have a top six of Keith Boquist, uh, Dahan Murphy, and then, you know, some rotation of Cuckoo Carlson and, like, Mata, that suddenly becomes a competitive decor. Like, that's something to be excited about. So getting Dahan back is going to be a big boon for us. Well, since that's going to be everything that we're going to be talking about this week, I'll go ahead and close our episode out. So... As always, let's thank you guys who are listening for tuning into this podcast. Uh, we try to put out episodes that have meaningful content for you guys to actually really listen to and enjoy when we post it. Um, as always, we have all sorts of ways for you guys to listen to the podcast. You can either find us on SoundCloud or you can find us on iTunes. 
Um, if you need to find us on SoundCloud, it's soundcloud.com slash stickbladepodcast. And if you want to find us on iTunes, you just go on the iTunes store, type in stickbladepodcast, and we'll pop up there. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are on Twitter, and the Twitter handle is at stickbladepod, all one word, no underscores or anything like that. And then you can also email us. Uh, the email address is stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. Again, all one word, no underscores, no periods or anything like that. And we're also on Facebook now, so if you're on Facebook, feel free to give us a like and a follow. Uh, we really appreciate that as well. I mean, really, any social media interaction with us is great. And if you have any sorts of, like, fan mail or rude comments or just even, like, show uh, topic ideas that you want us to go over, feel free to send them to us because we always enjoy reading your guys' mail when we get it. It doesn't happen often, but every once in a while we will get it. So we appreciate having that for you guys to interact with us on some way. But with all of that being said, for your host tonight, Jordan Linscott, and my co-hosts, David Barnhouse and Tim Stampanato, this has been another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. Hopefully hockey's back soon. Very soon.